Welcome to the Course in Miracles podcast. Course in Miracles podcast. Here we go. We're <clears throat> continuing our review. I'm going to read um, I'm going to read a little bit from the text. I try to read a little bit of the text every day and uh, as I've mentioned, it took me 7 maybe 8 years, maybe even longer to complete reading the entire text. The actual textbook is 689 pages long, I think. And then there's the course that's after that, and then there's af- then then after that there are a couple other sections: the clarification of terms, the manual for teachers, and there's just so much amazing stuff buried inside of it, inside all of it. Um, it's it it it's still very much overwhelming. Um, but what 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 can you do? Just do a little bit each day. So this is I'm going to get to the review lessons here in a second. Excuse the rustling. Um, so this is from chapter 15, and this is the chapter 15 is called The Holy Instant. There's this whole, there's all this stuff, there's all this material or content in the course that has to do with the holy instant. And the holy instant is basically the moment that you realize that everything that you could ever have or everything that you could ever wish for is, is in fact encapsulated within the moment that you currently find yourself existing. I believe I've talked about this before. But the whole there's this just trippy there's this whole there's a lot of talk of the holy instant and there are holy instant specific course lessons um, as I'm not sure where but as you move through it there are lessons course lessons that address or deal specifically with the holy instant but what happens in that holy instant is you realize that because of your very nature, which is fundamentally at one with God or at one with all of the sonship, like all of your brothers and sisters, um, and that it is you by your very birthright are complete and whole and perfect exactly the way that you are. And when you have that realization in that holy instant, you, you come to realize that there's, there's nothing that could be ever given to you. There's nothing external that you, would, that you would create what's referred to as a special relationship with that could replace that, uh, that could replace that which is available to you in that holy instant. And so this is where it gets into the, the miracles collapse time, right? So David Hawkins talks, miracles collapsing time. So David Hawkins talks about in one of his talks about how like you might, if, if you, let's say you want a Cadillac or in this day and age, let's say you want a, you want a, um, a Tesla, right? You want a Tesla because it's going to give you a specific feeling. You are going to be thinking and feeling specific things as the result of having this Tesla, of, of having created this special relationship with this car, this external thing. And so you might then start saving your money. You go out and get a paper route, right? And you start saving your money. You work really hard. And for 20 years, you save and save and save in your piggy bank. And in 20 years, you take that, you open up that piggy bank or that bank account or whatever, that Bitcoin account, whatever it is, and, and you go to the bank and, or you go to the Tesla dealer and you buy that Tesla and you get in the car and you start driving the Tesla and you have that feeling and you're like, yes, I finally arrived. I got my Tesla. And 
the holy instant would tell you, however, that that feeling that you got, that you spent 20 years saving for, that you, you were saving for t your money for 20 years, right? So that you could have that Tesla, so that you could get into that Tesla and have that feeling. That feeling was, of, and, and, and then some, that feeling and then some was available to you 20 years ago. You didn't have to work so hard for the next 20 years to save up your money to get in the Tesla, to get in your Tesla, to feel, that, to have that experience. And so that's what, that's what this means by miracles collapse time, right? So that would be, what's, that's, that's the ego's use of time. If I save and I save and I save and I work and I work and I work, then I will finally purchase the thing that gives me the feeling, I have a, I have this, I'm not really friends with, him, friends with him, but there's this local guy who this has happened to. He saved for years and he got a Tesla and then something really bad went wrong with it that, that they couldn't fix. It was like this special Tesla problem. And then he finally got it fixed after like months. And then somebody drove into him at an intersection and it was like the whole problem and then some like all over again, right? So he's seeking outside of himself. I've never had a philosophical conversation with him about that. I imagine that in his mind, life just sucks or the universe is against him. But this is, these are the, um, the tricks of the ego. And, I'm, I'm, and so perhaps for you, you can um, take, like contemplate the concept of the holy instant. Now this, what I'm going to read from is on page 301, 301 of the text. And this chapter, chapter 15, is just called The Holy Instant. There are all kinds of sections on the holy instant that follow. There are, I'm not sure how many chapters in the book, but each chapter is divided up into several sub subsections. And if you just flip through the table of contents, you can sort of see there's, there's, um, there's just so much. So anyway, this is, I, I talk often about, I'm, I'm constantly saying that the course, the course of Miracles is punk rock, right? Punk AF. So I'm just going to read from the third paragraph of the Holy Instant, and the name of this section is The Two Uses of Time. So, the ego is an ally of time, but not a friend. So in the case of the Tesla, the ego allies itself. It becomes the ally of time and says, hey, time, let's devote 20 years of our lives to saving up to get a Tesla so we can feel great. That's sort of what that means. For it is as mistrustful as death as it is of life, and what it wants for you, it cannot tolerate. The ego wants you dead, but not itself. The outcome of its strange religion must therefore be the conviction that it can pursue you beyond the grave. And out of its unwillingness for you to find peace, even in death, it offers you immortality in hell. It speaks to you of heaven, but assures you that heaven is not for you. How can the guilty help, hope rather, for heaven? So that's just a little snippet. JC is punk rock. Jesus is punk rock. Course of Miracles is punk rock. That is some gnarly stuff. I challenge you to find something that gnarly anywhere. So anyway, and then I want to read this other, this is this really cool thing from page uh, 389 and, or 387 actually. And if you're in a big rush, you can just bust out the book or go to acim.org and read through, read through the lesson, read through lesson 52 review uh, yourself and, and get going and stop listening to my senseless ramblings. I hope they're not senseless. Anyway. This, this is in a section called Beyond the Body, which is in chapter 18. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. I have it outlined 
in two different highlighted in two different colors and then circled in a different highlighter. Everyone has experienced what he will call a sense of being transported beyond himself. This feeling of liberation far exceeds the dream of freedom sometimes hoped for in special relationships. It is, sense, it is a sense of actual escape from limitations. If you, will continue, if you will consider what this transportation really entails, you will realize that it is, a, it is a sudden unawareness of the body and a joining of yourself and something else in which your mind enlarges to encompass it. It becomes part of you as you unite with it and both become whole as neither is perceived as separate. What really happens is that you have given up the illusion of a limited awareness and lost your fear of union. The love that instantly replaces it extends, extends to what has freed you and unites with it. And while this lasts, you are not uncertain of your identity and would not limit it. Limit it. You have escaped from fear to peace, asking no questions of reality, but merely accepting it. You have accepted this instead of the body and let yourself be one with something beyond it, simply by not letting your mind be limited by it. So it says everyone has experienced. So all of us have experienced moments of sort of blending into the oneness of the universe. It used to happen to me when I, I used to surf Lake Michigan in the winter times, and I would go out there in the winter in like sometimes sub-zero weather, and the, 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 the snow would be like pelting my face, and I would be like trudging through the water and all of a sudden it's like I would just melt into the universe and just become one with all creation. And David Hawkins says that's, that physical laborers, like people who do extreme physical labor, at, they, they often have these transcendent moments where they almost, it's almost as if their spirit is existing beyond their body and their body is just moving on autopilot. And there's this freedom that happens as the result of it. And so all of us, these, these wonderful moments are available to all of us the more we become willing to allow them into our field or to become part of our field. or to, as, as soon as we, we, we become willing to consider that we can tra be transported, we just might be, but we can't be banking on it, right? So that would be kind of like taking some drugs, but you know you're going to get transported. It's a lot cooler when you just get transported by accident in this, um, in an experience like the one described on page 387 of the text. So now, let's get back to our lesson. So um, you're going to take about two minutes, roughly. You want to do these with your eyes closed, and you take, you know, each, again, each, um, the, the review period covers five lessons per lesson, right? So we're doing lesson 52, and this covers lessons 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And you just want to try to devote uh, about two minutes to each lesson within the, within the greater lesson with your eyes closed. And again, just do your best. Do it as many times as you can throughout the day. I had this amazing afternoon respite with, or this amazing afternoon <laughs> Like, I was going to jump on YouTube, or I found myself on YouTube, and I was like, no, wait, do the Course in Miracles review lessons instead. And it was just a, talk about a better use of time. It was just an amazing use of time. And I really started to feel, again, reality loosening its grip on me.
this supposed reality, quote unquote reality. As you get deeper and deeper into this stuff, reality, what you think to be reality, loses its grip on you more and more and more. It's amazing stuff. So I think Jesus is happy with me or the Holy Spirit is happy with me for doing this podcast. And so I'm getting, I'm getting to experience more transcendent moments. So, which is what happens when people, Mother Teresa basically said that she's got this story in one of her books called No Greater Love, where she's talking about basically like seeing God in the, in the rats that gnawed off this woman's feet in the streets of Calcutta. You know, it's not, it's not exactly it, but Something like that. There was this part where Mother Teresa is talking about tending to the rat wounds of this woman's feet when she was attacked by rats and seeing the God in all of it. And it's that senseless service that brings us closer and closer to the divine. And we just might get hit over the head by the two by four of love dished out by, doled out by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I think you understand your instructions. You can always go um, to the website, acm.org, and read them yourself and get yourself a book. So today's lesson 52, today's review covers these ideas. Lesson six, I am upset. I am upset because I see what is not there. Reality is never frightening. It is impossible that it could, that it could upset me. So this is the reality with a big R. Reality brings only perfect peace. When I am upset, it is always because I have replaced reality with illusions I made up. The illusions are upsetting because I have given them reality and thus regard reality as an illusion. Nothing in God's creation is affected in any way by this confusion of mine. I am always upset by nothing. So you just close your, you read that over, you close your eyes, right? Maybe you read all five of them over and then you close your eyes and you go through lesson one and you just sort of contemplate that. I am upset because I see what is not there. And it, it says that reality, the real reality is never frightening. It's just this crazy, psychotic, made up world of our ego and other egos that scares us. Lesson uh, 52, part two, which covers lesson seven. I see only the past. As I look about, I condemn the world I look upon. I call this seeing. I hold the past against everyone and everything, making them my enemies. When I have forgiven myself and remembered who I am, I will bless everyone and everything I see. There will be no past and therefore no enemies, and I will look with love on all that I failed to see before. So again, you're just going to close your eyes. I see only the past. Right? And it says at the end of this little chapter or this little paragraph here that I will look with love on all that I failed to see before. So you don't see a car as it is now. You don't see your brother as it is now. You don't see your lover as he or she is now. You do not see that book as it is now, you see only the past. So you can, if you want, you can go back and review these, but it basically, it specifically says that you don't have to. Okay, lesson 52, part three, which covers lesson eight. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see only my own thoughts and my mind is preoccupied with the past. What then can I see as it is? Let me remember that I look on the past to prevent the present from dawning on my mind. 
Let me understand that I am trying to use time against God. Let me learn to give the past away, realizing that in so doing, I am giving up nothing. So there's a, there's a lesson that it happens at some point in the course that says, I will not use my brother's past against him. And that is an access point for a radical sense of forgiveness. I talk in my other podcast about the Soft White Underbelly podcast, um, and where he interviews all these like gnarly people like crackheads and prostitutes. And this one I just watched before I did this episode, recorded this episode, is on this mob hitman. And he's talking about how he just used to do all these awful things and, you know, shoot people, beat people up with bats, stab people. And then one day it started to, it started to, it started to affect him. And it gave him this really gnarly case of PTSD, which karmically, you know, you probably deserve that. Um, But he's, he says that his, his learning how to be compassionate required every, every bit as much warrior training as his dad essentially subjected him to when he was a kid because his dad basically trained him to be a fighter from his earliest days so that he could survive the streets of New York, right? So this person now is taking on this warrior training in a whole new way, and it's the role of the peaceful warrior. And so for him, not being a, being a warrior-like in this new ideation or this new um, expression of who he is as a human being involves not doing violence. So then am I going to hold his past against him or am I going to be with him and forgive him now in the present? And these are radical examples, but that's why Jesus again demonstrated on the cross a radical form of forgiveness. So four, which covers lesson nine, lesson 52, part four, which covers lesson nine. I see nothing as it is now, not even a hitman. So I see nothing as it is now. It can truly be said that I see nothing. I can see only what is now. The choice is not whether to see the past or the present. The choice is merely whether to see or not. What I have chosen to see has cost me vision. So there's that sort of world of perception. And when we're stuck in the world of perception, it's costing us vision. Now I would choose again that I may see. And then finally, Lesson 52, Part 5, Section uh, on Lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. I have no private thoughts. It is only private thoughts of which I am aware. What can these thoughts mean? They do not exist, and so they mean nothing. Yet my mind is part of creation and part of its creator. Would I not rather join the thinking of the universe than to obscure all that is really mine with my pitiful and meaningless, quote, private thoughts. So David Hawkins talks about uh, in a few different places, I believe in his books that um, one place in particular that I'm recalling, but I think he mentions it multiple times that like, there's not even really any privacy anymore. They're not that there really ever was like base and, and basically like everyone is, everyone is psychic to a certain degree. Everyone knows physiologically if they're being lied to people can just tell And so that might be a startling thought at first, that I have no private thoughts. That's one of the lessons. I have no private thoughts. Um, But I I believe that's one of the lessons. There's one I have no neutral thoughts. I think there's one about privacy too. But it can be startling at first, but then when you see it through the lens of like universal oneness and all that I need to do to become a, a, for lack of a better way of expressing it, like better member of this universal human family is to practice forgiveness 
Practice forgiveness over and over and over again. Practice these lessons. I almost got, I didn't almost get hit by a car, but if I had, didn't yell at, I was cruising on the street on my skateboard today, like on the sidewalk, and I was coming to a crosswalk, and I could see that he was, he was looking to his left. He wasn't looking to his right. And as soon as he got the go-ahead that there, was no, that there were no cars from coming at him from his left-hand side, he was just going to hit the gas. And I saw him doing this because I'm a skateboarder, and I may have ended up on the hood of a car. I've ended up on at least one, one car's hood as the result of this exact thing happening because skateboards move faster than... Um, walking or running, right? So anyway, this guy's looking. I'm like, I know where, I know where this is going. So I'm going real slow. I'm re- going real slow. I'm kind of keeping an eye on him. I know he's paying me no attention. He does not know I exist. And he gets the go ahead. There's no cars on his left. And he slams on the gas. Did, he goes to slam on the gas. I went, yell loud in service of self-preservation. And he hit the brakes immediately. And he said, whoa, dude, my bad. He was genuinely apologetic. In that moment... I could have been less than forgiving and I could have justified my anger. This moron tried to kill me, right? But what did I do? I applied a course lesson instead. I am never upset for the reason that I think. And this stuff works like magic. And we have so many opportunities to practice um, new ways of being, forgiving ways of being in the face of everyone's insanity. This is a bit of a long lesson. I hope that you stuck around and I will talk to you tomorrow. Do your best. Take two minutes with each one of these at some point in the day and, and do that as many times as you can. So if, if you devoted a half an hour to doing these things, of doing these lessons a few times or these reviewing each of these lessons a few times, that, that would be perfectly fine. But again, just do your best. Don't fall for the traps and the tricks of the ego. Thanks again for listening. Course in Miracles podcast, lesson 52, covering lessons 6 through 10. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Yeah.